Welcome back to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly. And I am your co-host, Austin. So as many of you know, I started this podcast back in 2020 during COVID, and it started out with me in our basement gym in this little corner of the gym. It had no insulation. I was recording on my iPhone and then stitching the clips together in iMovie. And it was fine for what I was going for, just making videos for YouTube as a beginner. But after I made about seven or eight videos, I realized how hard it was to make those. It's a lot of work. So, And you felt an obligation to get ready and stuff. Yeah. So Austin gave me the idea to simplify things by just telling the stories on a podcast instead. So then I extracted the audio from the videos that I had already made, and I uploaded them as their own episode. However, the audio quality is very low, as you can imagine, especially for a podcast. And when I started thinking about it, I decided that the stories told in those videos deserve better quality. So I've grown a lot as a podcaster. We now have Austin on the show too, as a regular. Um, So a lot of things have changed. Which is pretty cool. You know, when you think about it. That you're here? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 Just kidding. It's the best. Um, We've improved our audio by leaps and bounds. And so... What I'd like to do for the next month and a half or so is retell some of the very first stories that I wrote for Mama Mystery. Um, I'm rewriting the stories. I'm adding new information. Um, So we are going to start with the story of Kanika Jenkins. I dig it. Are you familiar with this story at all? I don't remember the details. I will as you talk about it. I remember whenever you did these first YouTube videos, I remember going for walks late at night and listening to the YouTube videos it's kind of funny to look back on that. So yeah, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll remember as you get going, I'm sure. Yeah, I think you'll remember this one. It's a pretty memorable case. So Kanika Jenkins was born in Chicago, Illinois on May 27th, 1998. She was known for her intelligence, her responsibility, and her bright, beautiful smile. Growing up, she developed a strong and loving relationship with her mother, Teresa Martin. And in 2017, Teresa underwent surgery for breast cancer and Kanika became her main caregiver. Her actions during this challenging period only proved her compassionate and caring nature, her maturity, and her deep commitment to her family. So you can only imagine how hard it is to comprehend that Kanika Jenkins' life ended when she was found dead in a hotel freezer on September 10th, 2017. I remember this. And the, I don't remember details. This is nuts. Yes. The details of just how she ended up there are so bizarre and almost unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So on September 8th of 2017, Kanika was really excited because she had just landed a new job at a nursing home. So to celebrate, Kanika told her mother, Teresa, that she was going to go out with some friends to go bowling and then go see a movie. And Kanika borrowed her mom's car and left the house at around 11.30 p.m. that Friday night. But Kanika and her three friends did not actually go bowling or to a movie that night. Rather, they went to a party on the ninth floor of the Crown Plaza Chicago O'Hare Hotel in Rosemont, Illinois, which is about 30 minutes outside of Chicago. During the party... Attendees were posting videos on Snapchat and Facebook Live, but one video in particular caught some people's eye, and it was a video from one of Kanika's friends, Irene, who went on Facebook Live. And some people allege that they can hear disturbing phrases in the background, like, we're about to murder someone tonight. And then someone said they swore they could hear someone say that they're still raping her. 
What? And have it, you ever heard the video? I've heard the video. There was another um, assumption that they could hear the voice of Kanika saying, help me right before the music just like gets blasted. Now I've listened to this video. I've listened to it a few times, multiple times. I don't hear it. Any of it. Any of it. And so what I think maybe was the case after the fact, um, you know, there's this complex system of neurons in your brain that function together called your reticular activating system. RAS. I'm very familiar. Yes. And part of its function is to enable your brain to focus on particular stimuli, stimuli uh, while ignoring or blocking out others, right? Quick example. Yes. So if you think about red cars or you have a red car, then you drive down the road and your reticular activating system is pointing out all the red cars to you. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, everyone has a red car. Mm -hmm. That's how the reticular activating system works. Yes. So similarly in this story, people watching that video by itself may not hear anything disturbing or strange, but once you hear that video was taken on a night that a girl died under bizarre circumstances, then you might rewatch that video and hear things that you didn't hear before because your brain is trying to make sense of a confusing situation. Especially when you combine it with the power of suggestion of people saying, hey, don't you hear this? Mm-hmm. Right. It's right. like those videos that say like, or when you look at a color and you see gray and blue, or you're going to see this and this, mm-hmm. and you see whatever you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Like those videos that are so weird. They're like, listen closely. You may hear banana. You may hear Taco John's. Yes. And then you're like, what? And then if you listen for banana, you hear banana. But if you listen for Taco John's, you'd hear Taco yes. John's. I mean, that's like a random, that doesn't actually exist. But there are examples like that right. where you're like, oh my gosh, if I really do trick my brain, I can hear both of the different phrases from the exact same yes. audio. So when you've listened to it and you've tried to hear all those things, you don't hear any of them. I don't hear it. And you're a smart cookie. Thank you. I don't hear it. So later on in the night, the party started getting out of hand because there were a lot of people making a lot of noise. So there were several complaints made about the party going on in room 926. Around 3 a.m., Kanika's friends were gathering their things to leave, and Kanika stepped out into the hallway while the friends, or the friends that she went with, were still in the room saying goodbye, gathering their stuff. But when they stepped out into the hallway, Kanika was not there. So they started looking around for Kanika, but they had keys to her mom's car and they also had Kanika's cell phone. So they were like, well, she couldn't have left. We have her stuff. And then surveillance footage later surfaced showing Kanika wandering through some of the hotel halls, clearly intoxicated, stumbling and swaying, at times balancing herself on the walls. Friends at the party reported that she had drank cognac, but didn't participate in any other activities like smoking um, because some of the people at the party were smoking. But after about an hour of searching for Kanika, her friends finally called her mom, Teresa, telling her they couldn't find Kanika, so they left, which is a huge red flag. You don't leave your friend behind. Yeah, and it's like red flag as in also like, I don't know if you mean it like this, but like you look super guilty now. Right. And that's what happened. A lot of people were really suspicious of these friends, specifically Irene, because some people said in the videos that she looked like she was annoyed with Kanika, that maybe she didn't want her there. And then the fact that Kanika disappears and the friends left. I mean, it's just every little puzzle piece is pointing to the fact that maybe you had something to do with this. Um, Regardless, at the end of the day, you don't leave your friend behind. A friend is not your friend if they leave you behind, period. Word. Period. Period. That's on period. Mm -hmm. 
So anyway, Teresa drove to the hotel to search for her daughter. And when she questioned her friends who were there with Kanika that night, Teresa was not getting good vibes from them. She said that their stories changed multiple times, but she could also tell that they had been partying. So were the inconsistencies due to them being intoxicated or for more nefarious reasons? So Teresa asked the girls point blank if her daughter had been drinking and they told her that she had just one drink. But Teresa said Kanika did not handle alcohol very well and that one drink would be way too much for her. So Teresa went straight to the front desk of the hotel, begging to take a look at the surveillance footage to see if Kanika was on there, but they refused to let her look and they wouldn't go look for themselves either. They said she would have to make a missing persons report first and that only the police were allowed to view the tapes. I don't feel like that's crazy uncommon. Like, I don't know. When I try to put myself in the shoes of the people trying to get the footage, yeah, you'd be pissed off. And like when we sit here and talk about it, it's easy to be like, what the hell? Show us the stuff. My daughter's missing or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you think of a business, like it doesn't seem super far-fetched. I'm not saying it was the right thing. I'm just saying it doesn't seem crazy. Yeah, I guess. But like... I can only imagine how frustrating that is for your family when you're when someone yeah. is missing. It's a person missing. Yeah. You're not talking about like, oh, I think I left my cell phone somewhere. Can you check the tapes? I 100% agree with you. And I'm not saying it's like the right thing. I'm just saying that part doesn't like give me a, oh my God, red flags. Yeah. Personally. I don't understand it though because, and I'll mention this again later, but like, you're asking to look at surveillance tapes of public areas within the hotel. Right. You're not asking to look in people's rooms. You're asking to look at the hallway footage or the lobby footage. I think it would be more like, I agree with you. It's like, what the hell? Just sh like we have a missing person. Yeah. I didn't forget my purse or a phone. I agree mm -hmm. with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I bet there's a process to getting it. And the people behind the front desk probably don't know what the process is. And so they're just told to tell everybody, hey, we can't pull it unless there's a police. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's probably just a, a blanket rule. But mm -hmm. I'm, I don't know, just pointing that out. Yeah. No, you're probably right. So at 7.15 a.m. that Saturday, Teresa finally calls 911. And the dispatcher told her that Kanika was probably just with a friend somewhere. And he told Teresa to just go home and wait a few more hours for Kanika to show up. By 12.46 p.m., Kanika still hadn't shown up, and police finally made their missing persons report. Then Teresa and her older daughter, Leonora, went around the hotel, knocking on almost every room door searching for Kanika, before one of the hotel employees called 911 to complain that they were going around and bothering all these people. The next day, uh, Kanika was officially reported as missing, and the police began their investigation. At around 10 a.m., I'm sorry, around 10 p.m., an officer decided to look back through the security tapes to see if they'd missed anything, and that is when he discovered Kanika stumbling around the hallways of the hotel lobby around 3.20 a.m. that night. After this, the police sent out a second search team to look for her and follow her last known steps, and they found that Kanika had gotten into an elevator and taken it down to the lower level of the hotel, where she stumbled out and then down the hallway. And the tapes then showed her walking upstairs and into another hallway, at one point walking into the men's bathroom. Now, the footage of her walking around, you can tell she's out of her mind. She's not walking in a straight line. She's bouncing against the, it's almost like. Like pinball. A, yeah, she's just bouncing off the walls. Like, And I, I say bouncing, she's not moving quickly. She's stumbling. Right. You can tell she is very intoxicated. She eventually finds her way into a kitchen that was undergoing renovations and not in use. And the last piece of footage showed her walking through the back of the kitchen towards the double freezer. 
Now, this freezer had a cooler in front with a second door leading to the freezer. Nobody following her on the footage or anything. Mm -mm. I'm getting the goosebumps. Yeah, nobody was following her. Again, that was something people tried to suggest. They were, you know, combing through the footage after the fact, and they were like, oh, look, you can see a guy in a blue hoodie right here following her. You can't. Mm -hmm. You just can't. I understand people's want to help, but mm -hmm. she walked in by herself, and it's, it's very obvious. Now, this footage, I'm sorry, this freezer had a cooler in the front with a second door leading to the freezer. And the video does not show her walking into the freezer, but it's assumed that she opened the door, walked in, and then the door automatically closed behind oh, her. And I got the goosebumps. So this is a walk-in cooler. Yes. And you're familiar with these because yeah. you own Lean Kitchen. You guys have these in almost every one of your locations. Right. So you're familiar that there's this system that automatically will close the door to prevent things from spoiling. Right. But once you're inside one of those coolers, it is pitch black and she's drunk like she couldn't find you know a lot of them have like an emergency escape like door handle you a know, lot of them don't get, lock well and they don't lock but like you ha still have to turn a handle to open the door potentially yeah and so she couldn't find it she's in there it's pitch black mm -hmm. and she's intoxicated so um while this kitchen was under renovation and not in use, the freezer was still on and running because it was being used to um, store extra food for this upcoming new restaurant in the hotel. And the Chicago Tribune reported that the freezer could drop to as low as eight degrees. Oh. At 1 a.m. that Sunday, Kanika had been missing for about 22 hours at this point, and police went into the freezer and they found Kanika. Oh, she was found lying on the floor of the freezer with her head buried in the corner of the freezer, face down. Her hair was disheveled. One of her shoes had been kicked off. She was wearing ripped jeans, a cropped denim jacket, and a white bra, which was the outfit that she was seen wearing that night. Mm -hmm. The police described the condition of her body as frozen solid. Pictures of the scene of the freezer and Kanika's remains have circulated all over the internet and just raised more questions because her jeans were filthy. She had blood and an abrasion on her bare foot. And at first glance, it appeared that this was a tragic accident, that Kanika, who was seen on surveillance wandering around the hotel, severely inebriated, barely able to walk, likely walked into the freezer by mistake. Mm -hmm. And then the freezer door shut behind her, as these freezers are designed to do, and that once she was inside, she just couldn't find that handle. Right. I just can't even imagine how terrifying that would be to be trapped in a freezer. And in my opinion, she likely tried to find her way out of the freezer and then lost her shoe in the frantic process of searching for an escape. Can you imagine how ter terrifying that would be if you were sober? Yeah, I mean, and you, and you didn't know your way out. You'd be, it'd be super scary. Yeah, and then, like, can you imagine how even more terrifying it would be if you were drunk? Right. So at about 4 a.m., police pulled Kanika's mom, Teresa, into a private room to deliver the devastating news that her daughter's body was found and that she was not alive. And there is surveillance footage that shows them entering the room and then just moments later... Teresa is seen running out of the room hysterically screaming, which is just unimaginable. I've never seen anything like that. And it just broke my heart to see a mom react to the moment that she found out her baby was gone. Mm -hmm. Unimaginable is really the only word I can even come up with. Yeah. Kanika's autopsy was performed the same morning that she was found at about 10 a.m. And there was no trauma found on her face, her body, or her neck, with the exception of a small abrasion on her bare foot. 
There was no petechial hemorrhaging, which might suggest strangulation or a lack of oxygen. Her toxicology report showed that there was a presence of alcohol and a drug called Topamax, which is a medication commonly prescribed to treat epilepsy and prevent migraines, but she had never been prescribed this medication. That's weird. Does, is, does it like a party drug of some sort? I I don't know. I've never heard of it as a party What's drug. What's it called? Topamax. Okay. And some of the side effects include dizziness, loss of coordination, confusion, and fatigue. Mixed with alcohol, it can also cause confusion, excessive sleep, and difficulty with memory or speech. Her blood alcohol content was 0.112, so almost twice the legal limit, but not enough to explain how she was so inebriated in that surveillance video. So if you search Topamax party, like I searched uh, on Reddit, Topamax for partying, Mm -hmm. and it says... There's a lot of things that say, I understand not drinking Topamax, but does it literally mean not a sip? And ultimately it says that it enhances the feelings of, it intensifies the effect of drinking. So that would make more sense. Yeah. If she already was kind of a lightweight, one drink was already too much, and then she's on this stuff for some reason, and it intensifies the effect even more. Mm-hmm. That would explain why she looked so much more drunk than what a blood alcohol content of 0.112 would Yes. Yeah. These all these all say stuff like, yeah, you don't want to drink even a sip on it. It's mm-hmm. interesting. So her cause of death was determined to be from hypothermia due to cold exposure in a walk-in freezer. Ethanol and topiramate intoxication were significant contributor, contributing factors in her death. So according to the video surveillance, there were 21 hours that passed between the time that she walked into the freezer and the time she was found in the freezer. The temperature inside the freezer was 34 degrees Fahrenheit after it had been left open for two hours after she was found. What was the temperature? 34 degrees, but that's when the door was open for two hours. Damn, so that thing was a cold walk-in. Exactly. But the freezer is capable of going down to eight degrees, so it's unknown what the exact temperature was when she was in there, but we can assume at least eight and no more than 34 degrees. Yeah, just one more thing, because I just saw this and it's interesting. It's a Reddit, okay, people, so I don't know how accurate this stuff is. But this person says, I haven't seen a therapist in around two years. I went to the mental health office to get a therapist, and they ended up just giving me a psychiatrist who prescribed me with Topamax for alcohol dependency instead of someone to talk to. Dick move. That being said, has anyone taken it for this same reason or had any terrible side effects from it? And then people go on to talk about you don't drink on Topamax. So I'm wondering... I don't know. Like, that sounds weird. I, again, I don't know anything about this drug. Mm-hmm. But this person says the heading on the thing is just got surpri- prescribed Topamax for alcohol dependency. That seems so backwards. Yeah, it's weird. So I don't know anything, but I'm just, I thought that was interesting. That's interesting. So temperatures between 32 and 40 degrees can cause death in 30 to 90 minutes, depending on various factors. 30 to, 32 degrees or less can cause death in as little as 15 to 45 minutes. No way. 32 degrees? Mm-hmm. 32 degrees or less can cause death in as little as 15 to 45 minutes. Now, obviously, there are factors that would contribute to this, like how you're dressed. And obviously, she wasn't dressed to be in the cold. Um, she was also drunk, and that can expedite the process of hypothermia. Right. Um, if you're in water, it's even faster. Like if that's the temperature of the water that you're in, the the symptoms can can start way sooner. So considering Kanika was not dressed in warm clothing and she was inebriated, these factors can accelerate 
the mortality rate. So I'm just assuming she succumbed to the cold fairly quickly. In 2018, the family filed a $50 million lawsuit against the Crown Plaza Hotel for Kanika's death. It's impossible to know now whether or not Kanika could have been saved from the freezer if the search for her was more urgent. And this is one of those situations where hindsight is 2020. But by the time her friends even acknowledged that Kanika was missing and brought it to her mom's attention, she'd already been missing for an hour. And according to their surveillance, she had already been in the freezer for 30 minutes at that point because the last frame of her going into the kitchen was at 3.32, right before she walked into the freezer. By the time her mom got to the hotel to ask the front desk for help, Kanika was missing for two hours and in the freezer for an hour and a half. So Potentially could have been too late already. Right. But had the response to Kanika been more urgent, it's possible she could have been found faster. And who knows? She could still be alive today. Right. But not only did her friends kind of underreact, but the hotel wasn't helpful whatsoever. The dispatcher told Teresa to wait a few hours before filing a missing persons report. And without any police involvement, they had to wait even longer to even view those tapes to see where she could have been. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't understand that rule. I don't understand why the hotel staff couldn't at the very least just view the tapes privately to see if she was spotted at all. I agree with you on that for sure. And like I said earlier, these are public hallways, not cameras within private spaces. So I just don't understand why a missing girl wouldn't warrant at least some concern with these hotel employees. Mm-hmm. The suit claimed that the hotel was also negligent for not properly securing the renovated kitchen area and locking it off from the public. Fair. Interestingly, it also blamed the hotel for not doing anything to stop or end the party that had at least 31 people in a room that was only designed to hold four. Four? Like it slept four. I mean, you're supposed to have four people in this room, but they had shoved 31 people in this room and there was multiple noise complaints and the staff did nothing about it. So police also found that the credit card used to reserve the room was fraudulent and linked to a gang on Chicago's west side. So not great people. Yeah. So in October of 2023, it was reported that Kanika's mother reached a settlement with the hotel, its security company, and the hotel's restaurant for $10 million. According to the Sun-Times, Kanika's mom, Teresa Martin, will now receive about $3.7 million, while other family members will get $1.5 million and $1.2 million. And the settlement also includes about $3.5 million for attorney's fees and over $6,000 for Kanika's funeral. Man. Yeah. That's a sad one. It's a, it's a unique case you've covered and a sad one. Super sad because... I don't think there was was foul play, do you? I don't believe that there was foul play. In terms of like forcing her in there or anything like that? No. You know, there was also um, surveillance going on in that kitchen for, you know, days, weeks, months prior. And so some people were saying that someone locked the freezer or at least like turned on the lock or something prior to Kanika going in there as if they were going to try to trap her in there. But there was no movement detected in that kitchen for at least like a week and a half before it finally detected Kanika going in there. So like there's just no correlation. There was no no other way to describe this other than just a freak accident. Yeah. You just answered my question because I had like this real faint idea of like maybe someone was 
in there. But even then, it's like, no. No. That's super sad. What and a freaking scary deal for her to, however long she survived. Mm-hmm. You know, that's almost like the thing that happened recently that captivated the whole world was that submarine mm-hmm. going way deep mm-hmm. and everybody's wondering, oh my God, are they alive? Are they still searching for them? Did they explode upon impact? Mm-hmm. And I guess it's I mean, it's completely different. But similarly, can you imagine like this girl's in this freezer, inebriated and Confused, can't find her way out? Or maybe she passed out. Maybe she didn't for a little while. I mean, anxiety through the roof. I Gosh. think the correlation you're drawing is that you're you hear these stories that make you think of really terrifying ways to die. No and shit. The Ocean Gate situation where, you know, these people trapped in this tiny little sub what do they call it? They didn't call it a submarine. I can't think of what it was called. But um this essentially submarine and they're trapped in there. They have no communication to the top. It's pitch black because there're so many meters down below the ocean <sighs> surface and there's no air conditioning, there's no toilets like so you're thinking about these people being trapped and it's like looking for a needle in a haystack. You think yes. about how terrifying that would be. That would be a really terrifying way to go. And later we found out that it actually imploded um, shortly after they even made their descent. So it was a very quick and sudden death, right. likely painless. Um, but, and, but this is not the same. The, the way no. that Kanika died was not quick and painless. Gosh, just so scary, full of fear. Like you think about terrible ways to die. Man, those ways where you have no control over anything and you're left to wonder. And to think that this poor girl was just downstairs in a freezer. Yeah. She was just downstairs time. in a freezer, right? In the same building everybody else is in. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Super scary. I think the ultimate lesson you learn from this is that if you go to parties, you stick together. You don't wander off. Don't leave your friend. Don't leave your friend. I mean, and it, I don't want to put too much culpability on the friend because – you know, if Kanika was out in the hallway and they were like, oh, hold on, let me go in and grab my thing. And then they come back out and she's gone. Like, it's, I yeah, it, it's from. like, that sucks that that happened. But like, who could have ever predicted that this would have been the outcome? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it just goes to show you that like, you just never take your eyes off your friends, even if, you know, especially if they are drunk. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a sad story, but definitely a story that deserves to be told. Again. Again. Yeah. Well, good job, Kelly. Thank you. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Mama. Mystery. Out. Bye.